For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Blue Jays fans. Yep, Mr. Panikar is back in the driver's seat after two weeks away in Orlando, Florida. And then over in Europe, Craig, I was over there for the first time in 2015, got to feel a little bit of England and France while I was over there. But man, it feels so good to be back on the airwaves with you talking about Blue Jays baseball. Honestly, man, it was a perfect way to come back to North America, knowing that there would be spring training baseball going on being able to talk about it how the hell are you buddy i'm doing wonderful man it's um cold and rainy like usual this time of year i didn't get to go to (laughs) europe and enjoy you know a nice vacation and all this other stuff i'm not doing my normal what i used to do a few years ago where i'd be always in spring training probably about the next week is about usually when i went down and goofed off um haven't done that in a couple years been kind of financially bust and you know our current budget on this show is, you know, shoelaces. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't take the money we got in the account can pay for us to go over to spring training or go over to Europe? Uh, last I checked, I think 100 bucks ain't quite going to cover uh, even like a – wait, it might cover both our bags to get to Florida. <laughs> That's true. That's probably true. But, hey, when you convert that in USD over to Canadian dollars, you got a little bit more in the bank to pay your airline fee in Canadian, so let's do it up. Yeah, maybe we'll figure that out. We'll squeeze the pennies, uh, to, so to speak, right? <laughs> you got it, man. You got it. And Craig, catch me the hell up, man. I've been off the grid for the most part the last two weeks, being away for work for a few days and before spring training began. And then, obviously, I was trying to not be so connected on my phone when I was over in Europe. I stayed kind of in the loop. I listened to one of your episodes when I was on the road with Mr. Corsair. Shout out to you for doing a fantastic job in my place. But Craig, catch me up. What the hell's gone on over the last few weeks so we can get back up to speed here? Yeah, outside our little uh, Saturday Night Live guesting appearance that we had going on with Adam Corsair, um, <laughs> <laughs> which went really well. It was fun to have somebody else on for a little bit, but obviously you are irreplaceable, even though I think we could have replaced you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I was worried I wouldn't have a job when I came back. When we said Corsair, I'm like, shit, I may not have a spot when I come back. <laughs> Decent booking, but no, he's been sent back down to the minors after his little brief stint with the team. <laughs> and um, But no, man, spring training's in full swing. Some of these battles are starting to look like they um, are starting to bear some fruit for the Blue Jays as far as things go. And honestly, they're just in full swing now. It's been a full week of spring training games. Things are starting to come together a little bit. No big crazy news outside of certain parking lot incidences. 
<laughs> but, We're not um, going to touch that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. Nah. <laughs> but anyways, things, it, God, it's just there's, I think we have, like, the best, like, fun-looking group of guys right now in our team. And I've just been absorbing everything Toronto Blue Jays through Twitter that I possibly can. And I think that's where everybody is right now, just foaming at the mouth. This team looks fun and interesting, my friend. You know what, man? Honestly, over the last few days and being back, being connected to Twitter and really paying attention, I don't know if you've gotten this sentiment, Craig, or not, or just picked this up via Blue Jays Twitter, and even MLB Twitter as a whole. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of excitement and optimism and hope surrounding this team, not just on Blue Jays Twitter, but on MLB Twitter as a whole, whether it's The Athletic and Keith Law and Ken Rosenthal and all those guys putting out articles, uh, MLB.com writers, whatever it is, there's a lot of excitement around this Blue Jays team, don't you feel? I do feel that. The only thing I'm not seeing any love for on is the Baseball Tonight podcast I listen to usually every morning <laughs> while I'm getting ready. Um <laughs> Buster only hadn't quite uh, drank our Kool-Aid yet, I guess, <laughs> would be the catch. He, <laughs> he's always been late to the party with the Blue Jays, though. I remember back in 2014, it took him forever. Remember when the Jays were on that incredible streak in May? It took forever for the Jays to break his top 10 power ranking for a while. So Buster only, go away. He's <laughs> <laughs> a very smart, intelligent baseball person, but he is definitely more on the uh, mainstream side of things, I would think, as far as where he's looking for everything. But I just think there's enough of this team, and I think we were starting to see what some of these things could be surprises in, Brendan, and where this team could be going. Some of these guys that might hit a little earlier than expected. And I think they're on that cusp of trying to figure those kind of things out right now. It's been very fun to watch. Not to mention Vladdy dancing in the dugout waiting to get on the field. Stuff like that is just insanely fun. It is. It absolutely is. And you know what? They actually, um, they're really on the on the position player side of things. We've talked about this a lot throughout the offseason. It's pretty much set for the most part, you know? Other than some battles for the fourth outfielder spot, there's been some emerging candidates to take the infield spot. So the main battle that uh, has really started and got off to a quick start early, Craig, has been the battle for the fifth starter spot. We've seen some very, very early returns on that battle. Unfortunately, I know you and Adam covered this last episode, but Ryan Barucki being shut down with some elbow problems again. So he's been ruled out in consideration for that fifth spot. So it's really coming down to, Craig, between Trent Thornton and Shun Yamaguchi, the Japanese pitcher who the Blue Jays signed uh, right after uh, Hanjin Ryu was added. Uh, Thornton went out for the first spring training game uh, against the New York Yankees and fired two innings, one walk, no strikeouts. And then Shun Yamaguchi went out on Sunday, or maybe it was Monday, uh, and gave up three earned runs with one walk in two-thirds of an inning. So, Craig, very early returns, but I think it's safe to say that Trent Thornton, as of now, has the upper hand on that fifth starter spot. What do you think? I think even with his performance today in a rain-soaked Dunedin game, and he gave up two earned runs, I think he's in that same ballpark right now that he knows that this is his job to lose. And I think everybody knows that. Yamaguchi's going to have to get some serious gas going here to be able to get take that job away from him. I think Yamaguchi is going to be destined for our bullpen personally. I like his stuff, and I did really enjoy what I heard on the radio the other day while he was pitching. Regardless of what happened in his outing, (laughs) 
he sounds like he's got lights out stuff. It's just too early. And in the first couple starts, I'll give you Trent Thornton get, doing really, really well is something indicative of what I think is coming for his season. But I think with Yamaguchi, he's coming over here for the first time. He's probably working through what he would normally work through being a veteran. And maybe he was throwing all fastballs that day or just throwing fastballs and change-ups. I'll be interested to see two or three little, you know, spot starts that more or less what the spring's training starts equate to down the road here in the next couple of weeks where they are standing because they could be looking very eerily similar. And I wonder if Thornton gets the inside track because of how good he finished last season. He definitely finished strong last season. Something clicked for him. And you know what? I think that goes back. We covered it very briefly last year. Clay Buckholz was able to teach Trent Thornton uh, some of his grips for his off-speed pitches, and that really seemed to take Thornton to the next level at the end of last season. But, yeah, early returns from what I've read. Uh, obviously, I was still over in England when Trent Thornton made his first start of the season. But, it, honestly, it was much of the same from last season uh, as far as what I'm concerned. But he just went out there, pounded the zone, being able to get the ball in there, locate properly. So I think, Craig, at least my opinion on it, would be that Trent Thornton may have a slight leg up when it's all said and done, just because of the fact that he was the only guy all of last season and all of the changes that happened, the rotation, the trades, the injuries, the call-ups, the opener strategy, Thornton went out there from his first start against the Detroit Tigers all the way to his last start of the season. And he took every turn whenever he was called on. He was he was very reliable. And honestly, as of now, it's way too early to say so, but I would not be surprised. Actually, I would be kind of surprised if Trent Thornton doesn't walk away with that fifth starter spot. Yeah, and as, i got to go back to that Clay Buckholtz uh, comparison you just had there as far as where he got his new grips and everything for. Apparently Hazel May was interviewing him recently and was asking him how important that was and how much it was affecting him is what he learned and all that kind of stuff like that. And he goes, oh, I blatantly stole that. That's mine now. For what? <laughs> <laughs> it's not Clay Buck. It's not Clay Buckholtz change up anymore. That's a Trent Thornton change. <laughs> I just thought that was great for the the show to see some of Thornton's personality on that because you have seen video of him being kind of the the oddball, goofy guy in the dugout with how he hangs out with everybody, and it's been fun to watch. And whether it's just him having the Gatorade cups on top of his glasses or <laughs> things like that, but um, nice to see that he's loose and having a good time. And like I said, he's kind of got that like cocky walk-the-walk feel a little bit, but I really think that's where he needs to be to know that this job is his. I completely agree. Well, one thing that I was finding when, when Sean Yamaguchi was out there, obviously wasn't able to watch it or listen to it on the on the radio feed Just like all Blue uh, when fans. I was at work. <laughs> exactly, like all Blue Jays fans, he got it, is that Yamaguchi, for whatever reason, kind of seemed to hold back a little bit. I believe the quote from Charlie Montoyo ahead of Yamaguchi's next outing which I believe might be tomorrow uh, or the day after, is Montoya wants him to be more, more aggressive and not dance around. From what I saw, I think it was Andrew Stoughton who was tweeting during Yamaguchi's outing that he was dropping 3-0 curveballs on guys when he got behind. So he's really showing a lot of those off-speed stuff. So Montoya wanted Yamaguchi to get back to, hey, pound the zone with your fastball, get ahead. But honestly, the one thing that I took away from Twitter's reaction on Yamaguchi's start is that he did have a little bit of unluck with the ball. There were some a few questionable third strike calls or non third strike calls that went against him. And had they gone his way, Yamaguchi may have gotten out of his outing on skate, Craig. So 
while the box line doesn't look very favorable with a 40.50 ERA, there's actually some positives to take away with Yamaguchi's first outing. Yeah, and uh, just like today, did he have some like another Derek Fisher drop ball in the outfield? Oh God, I've heard that already too. I heard that was a thing already. Of course, it is a thing already. That was basically the reason today that the uh, was what the Twins that they were playing today in the rainout game. I think so. Maybe kind of. I think remember. so. Yes. So oh, the Tigers. I think it was the Tigers. 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 That's right. Daniel Norris was on the bump. So, but in the midst <laughs> of that, yeah, that was the whole reason the inning happened. They should have been back in the damn dugout, ready to get right, hitting, and that. Was just, from what it sounded like on the radio feed, it was right in his damn hip pocket, and he dropped it. So. <laughs> what a guy. Getting off to a fantastic start, Mr. Derek Fisher. I want to believe in you so badly with all those tools you got, but you just keep on shooting yourself in the foot. <laughs> yeah. It's things like that right there are the reason that Kevin Biggio is going to end up starting in right field, and we're going to have Joe Panic, who had a triple in today's rain-drenched game <laughs> with an RBI. So... Some things are coming out together, man, but I think Joe Panic is going to have a spot on this team that it, that uh, is going to be very interesting to see how they work him in because if he comes back and is any kind of class that he has been, this is a guy that won World Series <laughs> with the San Francisco Giants. It's a hell of a guy to have just thrown into our lineup every day. It is. There's some pretty, it's a pretty positive early returns on Joe Panic. You mentioned that triple today. He's already emerging uh, as a guy who will likely – be able to stay clean to a roster spot. And you know what? That just adds to the flexibility of this roster. I think Gavin Biggio could, in a pinch, probably play in the outfield, play in a corner spot, and you can have Joe Panic at second base. And he's looking, Craig, early return that Joe Panic is the early favorite for that uh, for that bench spot, while Brandon Drury is trending downwards because he does have an option remaining. Do you see that playing out where perhaps Brandon Drury starts the season with Triple A Buffalo? It wouldn't shock me. The only thing I think that saves Brandon Drury is the fact that we do have a 26th man roster this season instead of a regular everyday traditional 25, and it's limited on the pitcher's side. I think they're only allowed to carry 13 pitchers. I think you're right. Yes, it has to be a position player. So that next, that next guy that's coming up is going to be somebody like Drury, especially when he can handle as many positions that he can handle, and he's not getting any younger. <laughs> but the other catch on that too is they're going to have some guys that don't have any more options left like Anthony Alford and so on yeah the Blue Jays will have to bring Anthony Alford north uh, or risk losing him uh, at the end of spring training Craig we've talked about very briefly here Trent Thornton and Sean Yamaguchi the injury to Ryan Baraki or the temporary shutdown and him being ruled out for the fifth spot has kind of opened the door a little bit for Anthony K. Uh, Big Brother K, if you're listening to this, we are fully on the Anthony K uh, uh, bandwagon, as you know, and the Anthony K train. The Anthony K on Sunday went out there against the Minnesota Twins and fired two innings, gave up three hits, two in runs, and he struck out two guys. Craig, I think it's going to take a lot for Anthony K to come up here and steal the fifth starter spot away from Yamaguchi and from Trent Thornton. Uh, do you see any scenario in which Anthony K is able to break camp with the Toronto Blue Jays at the end of spring training. As much as I want it to happen, I only see it happening with an injury to somebody or somebody that needs an extra couple weeks of extended spring training that K gets that start. But I would love, I do, regardless of when he comes back up, I don't think it's going to be terribly long because they're not going to push Pearson, I don't think, right up through that, regardless of how disgustingly good he is. (laughs) 
Anthony K <laughs> is on these the next to call to the Toronto Blue Jays rotation in any situation, in my opinion. Because I think even regardless of how the Trent Thornton Yamaguchi thing settles, I think they're gonna like having him in the back of their bullpen right before Giles way too much to be screwing around with it. I agree. I do agree with that. It does seem like Jason K is ticketed to start the season in AAA Buffalo, probably right behind Nate Pearson, who will get that opening day start. Uh, Craig, one other guy in that Sunday game that uh, impressed was Jacob Wegespack. He went out there in one inning and struck out two guys. Wegespack, again, probably ticketed for Buffalo, maybe has an outside jaw, uh, chance at being the long guy out of the bullpen if it's not Yamaguchi. Um, Jacob Wegespack, we saw him a lot last year. He had that brilliant start at Dodger Stadium when he went out there for seven innings. I don't believe he gave up a run in that one. Waggis Pack as well, another guy, a lot of options. Buffalo for him, you think? I think so too. Um, same situation, I think, if he, he's in that conversation, but I do think Kay's got better stuff, so he'll probably be highly ranked in the midst of that, especially when I think Kay is in any other um, situation here. where, like, If we didn't have go out and grab Ryu and everybody like we did this offseason, Anthony Kay is in this rotation to start 2020. Without a doubt in my head. But he oh, slid yeah. down the depth, no. depth chart just that little bit because of the depth that was added above him. And he's got the stuff. He's going to be in the majors. There's no doubt in my mind. And he's going to be fun to watch. There's so. going to be some interesting battles moving forward. That fifth spot will be one to keep your eye on as things for. I would say that's probably the biggest uh, audition and battle this spring training, which is a good problem to have. Craig, there's no doubt about that. Yesterday, we had a split squad game between the New York Yankees and the Blue Jays and then the Philadelphia Phillies and the Toronto Blue Jays. Craig, let's start with the Phillies one because that was much less exciting other than the fact that they put up 13 runs against the Phillies with a Rowdy Tellez three-run homer. They also saw Kevin Smith homer, Billy McKinney as well, and Pruitt as well hit a home run as well. But Chase Anderson made his first appearance as a Toronto Blue Jay. Went out there in two innings, gave up two runs. One of them was earned, one walk and one strikeout. I think that's pretty much in line what you can expect with Chase Anderson starts moving forward. You know, five, six innings, decent ball, 450 RA, which is equivalent to a quality start. Chase Anderson gets his spring training off to a good start. Do you expect more of the same from Chase Anderson, kind of in the mold of what he went out and did yesterday? I expect Chase Anderson to be exactly what Chase Anderson's been throughout his career, and that is somebody that's going to eat up some innings and be just around that four ERA. And I think that's what we saw. He's going to just chew up some innings, and as long as he gets a little sprinkling of offense, which I think we should have no problem with this lineup that we're mustering <laughs> up, um, he's going to win a lot of damn ball games. And I think he could be somebody... He figures that that last little tweak or that last little wrinkle to some one of his pitches, he could be something special to watch this year. The problem is it's the American League East, so does some of those tweaks turn into home runs or does it turn into less? <laughs> so that's the biggest question I have with where Chase Anderson is. But in all reality, like I said, I'm picturing him somewhere in the ballpark of 180 innings, and it's not a problem. I'm fine with that. And that's exactly the veteran presence the Blue Jays need in this rotation. It absolutely is. The other veteran, Craig Tanner Roark, came to spring training. He reported and had the flu, I believe, or a stomach bug, so we have yet to see Tanner Roark. But the that's other thing is in isolation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stay away. <laughs> I was going to lie in the clubhouse or something. I saw an interview or something. 
stay away. Don't get anybody else sick throughout the rest of spring training. <laughs> stay away, Tanner Roark, until you're ready to go. But the second game yesterday, Craig, the in the split squad, was the one that everybody, everybody was talking about on Twitter. I did get to listen to that. The audio on that was kind of in and out of paying attention throughout it, but I was paying full attention for the man who made his first spring training start for the Blue Jays, and that was Nate Pearson, the top-ranked prospect in our organization. Went out there for one inning and struck out all three New York Yankees he faced. Craig, Nate Pearson, gush away. I don't know if we can say much more at this point. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, too. That ridiculous. But the fact that he struck out the first three batters he faces in spring training in live games, and they were three major league guys. They weren't just standouts or whatnot, but don't forget, a couple of years ago, Miguel Andahar hit 20 home runs and had an insanely good season for the uh, New York Yankees, as much as I want to not say it. (laughs) (laughs) But... um, Mike Talkman and um, who was the other guy he faced? Oh, Tyler Wade. Mm. Those are guys that have been yeah, in, Wade, the yeah. Yankees, in and out of the Yankees lineup for the last two, three years. Yeah, you can make the argument that Talkman and Wade are in that quadruple A ballpark, but it's not. They still know how to play in the major leagues, and Nate Pearson made them look silly. <laughs> Did you see any of the video that ended up finally eventually cropping up on Twitter? And it, it just didn't even look like they knew what to do with the bat in their hand. I know. It was insane. So the funny thing is that came out of yesterday is while everybody was wanting the radar gun, because of all the changes that they've done at TD Ballpark and renovating that, they did not have the radar gun ready. So Ben Wagner... I'd made it on the air. It's like, yeah, we don't have a radar gun to fall, so we're kind of using binoculars and looking down at what scouts are using and coming up on their radar gun. But Craig, Nate Pearson was consistently sitting around 97, 98, I believe in touch 99, and a slider of all pitches got up to 90 miles per hour. How can anybody hit any of that stuff when you can drop in a 90 mile per hour slider? It's ridiculous. Yeah, just obscene is the only way of saying it. I think it's funny you mentioned that what Ben Wagner was saying on the radio, but Jim Tarabokia, the voice of the Dunedin Blue Jays, was joined in the booth right, yesterday. Yeah. And he said, I don't need to know what the radar gun is. I just keep looking down at the guys that do have the radar guns in the stands, and when you see them shaking their heads going, wow, what the hell is that? <laughs> you know, it was something over, like, you know, 97 and up, right? <laughs> So, but that was good stuff to hear. And I love that the Blue Jays do that with their Ryan League announcers in spring training. They know these guys better than anybody and that are coming up through the system. Bring them in and like, let them just gush over these guys. And we get to hear all that much more information about somebody like Nate Pearson and why they're doing as good as they are and why they should probably be in the major sooner rather than later. Well, that's actually a good segue into an idea that I saw on Twitter today, Craig. So uh, there's one segue point for you. Point. In turn, they have point. Chalk it up. Chalk it on the board. The one one idea that I saw somebody float around is last season when Chris Paddock of the San Diego Padres went out there and annihilated spring training and got off to his insane start to the point where the Padres are like, hey, we can't send you down. Like, you were just so dominant in spring training. What the Padres did was start the season with Chris Paddock and when injuries and wanting, or sorry, not injuries, when innings started to rack up, when he continued to go out there and throw six, seven innings, eight innings at a time, they were able to option him back down to the minor leagues. Uh, I believe in May and June, uh, Chris Paddock went back down to AAA just to control the innings and not go crazy right off the top. I don't think this is a possibility for the Blue Jays to handle Nate Pearson in that way, but 
man, that's got to be awfully tempting to at least consider the fact if Nate Pearson continues to go out and absolutely dominate, why not pull what the Padres did last year with Chris Paddock? I think the only argument on that whole thing is I haven't heard that he has any kind of restrictions on innings at all like like Paddock does. I keep feeling like I keep hearing that. It's like, okay, Nate Pearson's coming. He's got no restrictions, which I thought was odd, seeing he has been hurt the last couple years and not pitched a ton of innings. <laughs> but maybe they want to see what the kid's made of and actually throw him out there every day. It'd be crazy. If Nate Pearson comes out here and continues what he started yesterday, it's going to be like last year and the season before that. Two years ago, it was the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. show. It's like, just get this kid up here already. They didn't. And last year with Bill Bichette, putting spring training on fire. Everybody's like, just get break camp with the team. I know they signed Freddie Galvis, but like, let's make it work. I think we're going to go through the exact same thing over the next few weeks with Nate Pearson. We wanted to get him up to the major leagues as quickly as possible, but he will probably be ticketed to be the opening day starter for the Buffalo Bison when the season opens. I think that's a pretty safe assumption, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's pretty safe, especially when they're trying to promote a flash sale right now. And I don't know if you saw me retweet this earlier. For the games that they're having a giveaway nights, we apparently we can get tickets tonight and tomorrow for ten bucks. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> I was going to talk to you. I think we need to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. So, if, so let, let me let me clarify this. If we bought tickets for the Bobachet bobblehead in July, we could get the day after for ten bucks. I think the day of the giveaway for ten bucks. Ah, uh, gotcha. Hey, that's uh, as we're doing our Buffalo Bison's promo section of the show now. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if that's a thing, might as well jump on those now. I know that weekend is free for me if I want to be. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so it says ten dollar tickets to all giveaway games flash sale now through Sunday. Ah, so we have a few days to think about it and uh, confirm it. But I think that's a pretty safe assumption. That should be a thing. (laughs) So here's the sad thing: I go to click on the link in the tweet. And it's got oops in the uh, like kind of like Philly Fanatic <laughs> Meyer League uh, <laughs> um, mascot watching a yelling at a guy that got picked off at first base. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe they sold them out already. <laughs> Imagine. I mean, hey, that's a pretty damn good flash sale to have. <laughs> yeah, I'm the, yeah. Now it's a yeah. Okay, these are these flash sale buttons. Apparently, they broke the internet because these they're just showing bloopers every time I click on it. <laughs> well, you got—I got to find that link and click on it and see it for myself. That'd be too funny. That'd be too funny. Yeah, <laughs> good times. So, Craig, that is—that uh, is Nate Pearson. Uh, yeah, there's not much more to say about him. I think that's the sentiment around baseball uh, in terms of everybody talking about him yesterday uh, and even today. Like, holy shit, this guy is incredible, and he's going to be incredible when he gets up here. Just please, please, please stay healthy. But there were. Craig, yesterday, for anybody that was at TD Ballpark to see the Yankees and the Blue Jays, got to see much more than Nate Pearson. And there's some interesting names that got trotted out there right after Nate Pearson. Julian Merriweather followed Pearson with an inning where he gave up two hits, one earned run, and struck out two. Patrick Murphy followed with an inning with two strikeouts. And then A.J. Cole came in and did all right. And Yandy Diaz followed him with two innings and three strikeouts. And then, you know what? Even though Felipe Omar, who is a dark horse candidate, and Canadian to crack the bullpen gave up three earned runs, but he struck a five guys, and then it all is all wrapped up with Jackson McClellan throwing one inning, giving up one hit, and striking up two guys. Holy crap! If you were in Dunedin yesterday and got to see that collection of Blue Jays pitchers, you were in for a treat. Was there anybody 
based on the box score or what you saw on Twitter that really stood out to you from those great collection of uh, Blue Jay pitching prospects that went out there yesterday? Yeah, I saw some video on Julian Merriweather for the first time this season, obviously. And honestly, I was pretty impressed, regardless of the one run being given up. I just, I think there's something there. And when you're talking about everybody was how upset we were when we didn't get anything back, quote unquote, for Josh Donaldson at the time, this could be something. <laughs> so the one thing that I thought was really cool, though, was as they gave Patrick Murphy a chance to get some some uh, pitching in against major league hitters in that third inning of that ball game. I thought that was a little interesting. And he did really good, striking out two in that inning and now giving up a hit or a walk. No base runners. So that whole retooling of his delivery looks to be working, Brennan. Oh, if he can continue to do that. I mean, man, it just continues to add to the great collection of talent that this front office has uh, compiled. I mean, there's Craig. We need to think about it. Uh, kind of getting off topic from the agenda, but let's let's wing it. Let's go with it. The collection of arms this team has developed and groomed, traded for, drafted, whatever. They're going to run out of spots when it comes to filling out the bullpen at the major league level, pushing guys down like an Anthony K or an A. Pearson or even a T.J. Zoic who could deserve a spot in a major league rotation, and you push some guys even further down like Yanzi Diaz or Patrick Murphy going down to double-A, should that be their ultimate landing spot when the season starts, how the hell are the Blue Jays going to figure all this out? I mean, you've got to think, when spring training starts to come to a close, and there's some guys, major league quality pieces, that are on the bubble of making rosters, you got to think a trade's got to be coming, right? Because there's a lot of spots that are not necessarily up for grabs anymore, and a lot of arms who could be out of jobs and at levels that they shouldn't deserve to be at, don't you think? I agree with you, and the one thing that is in common between every major league baseball team, they are always looking for pitching depth. It doesn't matter which team it is. Look at the Yankees. We're going to talk about that more in a little bit, but they they got a problem going on right now. You're, you're talking that a team that, that you could make another team like the Cleveland Indians pitching staff right now from some of the guys we have just lingering around the minors. <laughs> you know, so... Remember that time we were talking about hurry up and just give me Nolan Arenado? You have ammo. There's some bullets here. <laughs> give me, send them toward Colorado and let them have fun in the majors. And this as soon as this year, that team, if they got some pitching pitching in Colorado with Trevor Story and everybody in that lineup, they might not need somebody like Nolan Arenado. It'd be very interesting to see. Not that it, every team would hurt to have somebody like Nolan Arenado, but when you can trade pitching like this and you know everybody's just foaming at the mouth to get guys even that are as talented as Patrick Murphy, for example, <laughs> there's something there. I don't disagree. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out throughout spring training because, I mean, there's some guys who are locked into the bullpen at the major league level. There's still a few spots there. But honestly, it, 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 it's crowded, and the youngsters just continue to impress with each outing as they go by through five, six games of spring training so far as things go along. Craig, put a bow on the first five, six spring training games. Who has really stood out for you the most beyond the obvious candidates? This could be on the position player side of things. This could still be on the pitching side of things. Who has grabbed your attention? And think, uh, people who you think... Twitter should talk about a little bit more based on their spring training performances. 
I love that everybody's finally getting to see what I got to see from watching Alejandro Kirk. <laughs> Period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the guy is fun to watch, and it wouldn't shock me. You know how we've been talking about trading Danny Jansen or Reese McGuire over the offseason here? Yeah. <laughs> Kirk is going to be in double A this year, and he's already this much fun to watch in spring training. The guy is a little stout hitting machine, man, and he plays great defense, and we got to see how aggressive he wants to be a good ball player in the few little snippets that we've gotten to see early this spring. It's been very fun to watch, and this is this guy all day, every day. Very fun to watch. So here's one interesting guy that has gotten off to a pretty good start through seven at-bats in spring training so far, and that is... One Rowdy Telez. And Craig, Rowdy Telez is kind of pushed on the brink of a roster spot to crack the 26 man because of the addition of Travis Shaw, the potential for Teoscar Hernandez to get some at bats at DH. I mean, Rowdy's got to have himself a pretty good spring to be able to crack this roster. And yesterday he had a three run bomb. He has a home run, six RBIs, a 571 batting average, and a 625 OBP. I don't think there's a position player battling for a spot that needs a good spring more than Rowdy Telez to be able to crack this opening day roster. So him getting off to a good start is paramount for Rowdy Telez, given the roster constrictions that this team is about to face. All I'm going to say is don't push Telez into the corner. He might get Rowdy. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what they did, right? You, you Over this offseason, Travis Shaw gets brought in to play first base. Then you're going to have possible at-bats for Teoscar Hernandez, like you said, in the DH spot. How, do you, how is he not looking at this offseason when that happens, going, I need to get in my best shape of my life to be able to make <laughs> this yep. team? And from all accounts, I, to me in, on the TV feeds and stuff, it looks just like Rowdy Telez. But from what everybody is saying, that he has came in a full gamer this uh, spring and he wants this job, and he's going to take it, is almost what everybody's accounts are, right? So the fact that on Major League Baseball Network this, this morning, I was sitting watching the uh, um, the morning show that they do, and they're talking about the game yesterday where he hit the home run, and they're even foaming at the mouth a little bit. And one of them even went on record saying that Rowdy Telez might be one of the biggest offensive things we have this year. That says something. And maybe this is finally Rowdy Telez's coming out party. I could get on board with that. I can absolutely get on board with that. That would be awesome if Rowdy just figured it out at all clear for him and forced his way onto this roster to open up the season. But as I said, I think he definitely needs a good one to start spring training. But from a position player side of things, Craig, there was a little bit of news from Charlie Montoya. I believe that was today. Uh, saying that the top two in the batting order is confirmed. That is, Bo Bichette is going to be your leadoff, followed by Kevin Biggio in the two-hole. Do you agree with that? I think that's pretty much what a lot of people were thinking would happen at the top of the lineup with Bo leading off and Kevin Biggio batting in the two-hole. What do you think? I love the fact that Biggio gets on base all the time, which is why I've been seeing the argument of what people have been saying about him being in the leadoff spot versus Bo Bichette. But Bo Bichette, it, it reminds me of when Paul Molitor, when I was a kid, was still playing with the Brewers, and he's batting in a leadoff spot. There was a reason they called him the igniter. 
<laughs> you got <laughs> you got Boba Shet in that leadoff spot, and he's hitting home runs off of somebody like Clayton Kershaw to start off a game. This is going to be something insanely fun to watch, and it's just because he plays this game like his hair is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that he can steal bases where that is a giant upside over what Biggio does. Biggio is extremely efficient when he does steal bases, but Bichette just has that little bit extra on the speed side, I think, that could be makes him somebody that could steal 30, 40 bases at a major league level, where I'm thinking Biggio is more in that kind of like, it's a nice tool for him to have, but he's only going to ever steal you like 15, 20 maybe at the most. But Biggio is going to have Bo Bichette on base more times than not to be able to double around in those nice gaps in the Rogers center. And knowing what's coming after Biggio, however the cards lay out between Vladdy, Grichik, and everybody else, <laughs> there's going to be some thump, man. I think we're going to score a ton of runs with the two of them paired up like that at the top of the order. Well, I'm going to give you a, a second segue point because my next question was going to be, fill out the rest of the batting order. Who are your seven guys following Bo Bichette and Kevin Bichette in the number one and number two holes? Who do you got? I think I'm surprised in the midst of that conversation that it did not go to automatically Vlad in the third spot. What do you think? Yeah, I said it between, at this point for me, it's either between Vlad or Lourdes Gurriel. I can see Lourdes being in the three spot as well. But it will probably be, my guess would be, Vlad and Lourdes, maybe actually Lourdes in the three-hole because he can get on base a little bit as well, and then Vlad can clean it all up in the four spot. So it's probably going to be one of those two guys. And then the last four, I'll take a stab at it. My guess would be Travis Shaw in the fifth spot, and then you can have debates for the way the rest of the order goes. My guess would be Randall at six, T. Oscar at seven, and then Rowdy, if he is a DH at eight, and Danny Jansen at nine. Would you change that up a little bit? I think that's pretty solid because I like the idea that you got Shaw right behind however that top of the lineup goes just to finally give you a change of pace. There's a left-handed bat all of a sudden, right? Yes. But I do see why you would make the argument for Gurriel being in the third spot because I don't know why I didn't think of this before, but it just dawned on me. Gurriel has legs. Flatty's got sneaky speed, but it's not like he's not going to run away with a stolen base championship anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> but Lourdes Gurriel Jr., I would hate to have somebody like Vladdy in front of him in the lineup and limit him from really taking a good good chunk around the bases because Gurriel's going to have a few triples this year and probably more than I'm even guessing at this point. So at that, if you had Vlad in, though, in front of him and he was on base, that's a double now instead of a triple, right? So, Absolutely. <laughs> so you have that flip-flopped. So it's, you know, Bichette, Biggio, Guriel, Vladdy. And then I think you have to have Travis Shaw just to give you that breath of fresh, fresh air from the other batter's box to go from there. And then you can play, like you said, like almost like Russian roulette with how the rest of the thing falls out. But it will be nice to have Randall Grichik's pop behind somebody like Travis Shaw too to give Travis Shaw some honest at-bats from pitchers. A scary, scary lineup, one through nine. The only concern I have when you round it out, when you got to the Oscar, Randall, and Rowdy is all the strikeouts that are probably going to come up. But that bridge can be crossed at that time. But that's kind of inevitable when you look at Randall Gritchick and Teoscar Hernandez. How awesome would it be if Randall Gritchick cut down on strikeouts 
and finally lived up to his potential because, man, that could be a scary bat in the sixth or seventh spot of your lineup when you can go that deep and have Randall's power and maybe a little bit better of an on-base percentage lingering down at the bottom half of the order. That'd be scary for opposing teams. <laughs> I think that's the difference between Randall Grichik being Kevin Pillar and actually an elite baseball player. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I really think that's the only difference because he has insane bat speed. If he could just find a way to make better selections on what pitches he decides to mash, it's the difference in all. This guy could be something insanely good if you could just get him to get, you know, make sure he gets more consistently good swings. Period. That's all it really comes down to. But then again, you can make that same argument that Teoscar Hernandez has plus power too, and just swings like a you know bat out of hell and hopes he you know Jose Canseco's it every once in a while. He swings hard in cases he hits it. <laughs> so, but hey, but Randall Grichik, if he could even cut down those in half or even a quarter, it's going to make it that much more threatening being a guy like that in the sixth spot. It's going to be fun. We've covered the pitching side of things and the battles going on in spring, not as much on the position player side of things. But, Craig, the Blue Jays actually got a little bit of good news outside of their roster and their system. It's unfortunate you never wish injuries upon anybody, but the fact that they played the New York Yankees yesterday kind of brings this into the fold. Luis Severino is heading for Tommy John surgery. Obviously, the Yankees are the runaway favorite uh, in the betting lines, maybe even to win it all and win the World Series after you add Garrett Cole, but, I mean, Craig, you look beyond Garrett Cole in that rotation, and you're already dealing with James Paxton being out until May or June-ish, and now Luis Severino is going to miss the entire season with Tommy John surgery. So you have those two guys going to be out for a combination of several months. And then beyond that, Masahiro Tanaka always seems to be dealing with potential arm issues in his and if you, you UCL or whatever ligament it is hanging by a thread and keeping him going. But man, I mean, the window is opening a slight bit for the Blue Jays to be even more competitive when you add in the fact you're going to have the the doormat of the division, the Baltimore Orioles, who are absolutely terrible, the Boston Red Sox, who don't have their best player in Mookie Betts anymore, going through a little bit of a rebuilding phase. And then you have the Rays as well, who will always be pesky. But I mean, man, I mean, you see Luis Severino being out for the year. As a Blue Jay fan, it's secretly got to bring a little bit of a smile to your face, doesn't it? <laughs> Knowing that I don't have to face him is even that much more better. But I, the problem is that the, with Garrett Cole, the Yankees still have depth that they didn't have last year. So unless something else really tinkers with this, I'm still not... You know, not not feeling like this is all of a sudden a runaway situation, but it's a nice little like we creep the door open just a little bit, right? But they got yeah. they're going to get a full season out of Jordan Montgomery again this year, and then Diego Germain, who was also hurt last year, the two of them are going to probably find themselves into that starting rotation now because of this whole how things are going to fall out because of this, right? But like you said, it's one of those things now that while they're waiting for James Paxton, what if Montgomery and Jermaine get off to a slow start? And yeah. Can't throw. And yet, add into the fact that Jay Happ struggled like crazy last year. It was the first time in years that Jay Happ came back down to closer to what he was before his days working with the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's uh, I mean, hey, I mean, I'm not saying that the Yankees are not going to win the division. I think they're clearly the runaway favorites, but. 
it makes it a little easier on the Blue Jays in the first few months of the season when you know you don't have to face James Paxton or Luis Severino. Hopefully get lucky and miss Gibbons. Yeah, it is a mental break, and, and you never know if the cards fall right. There may be a few series where you could potentially miss Garrett Cole entirely when they go out there, but the Yankees do have depth, as you mentioned. They absolutely do. That's one thing that people keep on forgetting. There is a lot of quality pitching depth coming up that could steal spots in spring training. But yeah. Can I it mention is one kind thing of, on Jay Happ? Our yeah. old friend, watching old him friend. during that first spring training game, he looks like he is in a lot better shape than he was last year. I don't know what it is, but there is some oomph behind those pitches already this early in spring training. I'm kind of going to go on record here saying that Jay Happ is going to have a good season this year, and it's not going to look like and, last year. And that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't upset me. I'll say that right now. I mean, I love Jay Happ. I think everybody does as a Toronto Blue Jay fan. Uh, Jay Happ, uh, I wish you all the best. But uh, it just looked like he had a little extra in the tank during that showing the other other day for the first game. And I'm like, wow, I wasn't expecting that in the first game of spring training. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be fun, man. It's uh, the season is off to the start. It's off to a good start for the Toronto Blue Jays. A lot to talk about in spring training and there'll be more stories developing throughout major league baseball and whatnot as it goes along was there anything else before we move on to a little bit of juicy news to start wrapping up uh the episode uh tonight uh spring training related of the first few days that we haven't covered quite yet There's one guy i want to mention outside of alejandro kirk like i did mention did you see yeah. that Santiago Espinal hit a fir- his first home run of the spring spring too i want to give him some props because he's one of our favorite yeah. guys and he is that dark horse candidate to possibly kick Brandon Drury off of the roster. <laughs> so very talented, and his defensive skills, man, are something insane. So if he's going to continue to hit like he was in the minor leagues, I hope they give him some series at bats coming uh, in the next few weeks here so they can see what they got as far as um, he did go all the way to AAA last year, but it would be see, nice to see him start a few spring training games against some of these uh, you know, established major league pitchers and see what you get. Here's my prediction with Santiago Espinal. He'll start in Buffalo while Joe Panic cracks the roster. And if Joe Panic goes out there and is not the guy he was with the Giants or is not the guy who was actually playing decent baseball with the New York Mets last year, Joe Panic's gone within the first month and a half of the season and Santiago Espinal takes his spot on the roster. That's my prediction for Espinal. He will be up here before we know it for sure. So I feel like that is literally the same story that could fold out for Brandon Drury. Yeah, I, it, absolutely. I think they're both in the exact same mold, man. <laughs> yeah. And I, I honestly, right now, I don't have, I don't see a team where they don't both make it right now, with knowing the versatility you get out of the two of them. So, but it will be nice. I think that Santiago Espinal is going to be with the Toronto Blue Jays sooner rather than later. I do too. And hey, we can stick it to the Boston Red Sox that we got him for Steve Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they yeah, got what they wanted out of series. it. Yeah, yeah, they got the World Series. He was the World Series MVP. Good for Steve Pierce. He was a likable guy when he was here. But, hey, we'll take Espinal for uh, six more years or beyond. <laughs> yeah, what was Hopefully the team? In the what was the total number of years control? <laughs> 42. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but, yeah, that's where I'm at with this whole thing. Other than that, everything seems to be clicking like it should be. Let's knock on desk, which I will do right now, that they continue to stay healthy people break camp and are ready to go full throttle once opening day comes around but yeah i mean from a blue jays perspective 
that is the majority of what's gone on over the last week since I've been back on North American soil. But Craig, one last little tidbit that I want to bring up with you as we wrap things up tonight. The Arizona Diamondbacks are going to need to put, so I think the number was 8 or $10 million worth of some pretty serious repair from what I was reading to Chase Field in Arizona, their home ballpark, where there's been talks that maybe they're considering moving on from Chase Field for a little while now for some reason. Uh, all the replies to this article were like, what the heck, I love Chase Field. It's great. It's air-conditioned. You have those panel windows that can open when it's hot outside, whatever it is. But the article went on to say that Arizona Diamondbacks team members went up to Vancouver, Canada, of all places, to look into the possibility, if it comes to it, of the Arizona Diamondbacks playing for a few seasons, maybe one, maybe two, at BC Place Stadium in Vancouver, while the necessary repairs are made to Chase Field while it's not playable. How out of left field is this news, Craig? Because I read that article... Just the title of it at first being like, why MLB team is investigating Vancouver as a potential spot to play baseball? And then it came out right before we started recording that it was the Diamondbacks who were going up to Vancouver and looking at the possibility of playing games at BC Place Stadium while doing renovations and repairs to Chase Field. How crazy is that? It is very crazy. But before I dive into the whole Vancouver part of that conversation, I want to say the com- this whole news is coming out of right field and who broke the damn pool. <laughs> yeah, we want I, to go swimming. <laughs> yeah, I've been to Chase Field, and that's honestly a lovely ballpark. Like you said, it's been a great ballpark for years, and I've never heard anything bad about it. But apparently, maybe there's something under the hood going on, right? And um, but if that is something, that is a chance for them to test the market in Vancouver that already sells out single-A rookie games <laughs> for the Vancouver Canadiens. So um, this is a, for a town that would love more baseball. This is perfect, and I can only hope that it's real. And it's one thing to investigate it. It's another thing for them to be moving on from it and actually trying it. I, I, if this is on their short list of towns and cities that would love to have a team play for a little while, that Vancouver's been wanting a Major League Baseball team for a long time. And it would be nice to have another, you know, Canadian baseball team, as much as I love the Blue Jays being the, you know, monopolistic empire of baseball in Canada. <laughs> it's not realistic. There should be two teams in baseball, at least in the country of Canada. And not having the Montreal Expos anymore, it kind of has been irking me for years. So if this is even a temporary, I'm, I'm strangely okay with this idea. It's going to be interesting to see if that continues if there's any news pouring out about that, my first thought was how the hell will they play baseball at BC Place Stadium? Because you have two fixed tenants there, the BC Lions and the Canadian Football League, and then you have the Vancouver Whitecaps uh, who play in Major League Soccer. So you have two teams that utilize that field. What the hell would happen to them if you have to have 81 home games of the Vancouver Diamondbacks playing at BC Place Stadium? They're going to have to get creative with that. But, Sounds you know like a what? scheduling um, nightmare, but that's way above my pay grade, man. <laughs> it is, it is. But, you know, the one, one reply that I kept on seeing from uh, Americans, Canadians that are in Vancouver and British Columbia as a whole is that it's well overdue that the three other major leagues outside of hockey consider Vancouver as a market for an expansion team because they did have the Vancouver Grizzlies in the NBA at one point, which was a little bit of a disaster. But regardless, Vancouver 
is one of probably my favorite Canadian city outside of Toronto. Have you been there, Craig? Have you been to Vancouver? I have not been to Vancouver, and I, out of all the places I've been in Canada, I am shocked that I still have not been to Vancouver. It's just you would I've, I've been to the little it. middle of nowheres and the random nooks and crannies of Canada, but I have not been to Vancouver for some reason. And man, it is gorgeous, and everybody who's ever gone up there, I mean, people from Seattle, which is only about a two, two and a half hour drive away, go up there. There's plenty of people who go there for skiing Wait, they all the time that in way winter. Too and then bitch about us being yeah. at the ballpark. Screw that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but hey, I think Vancouver is uh, often a very overlooked market when it comes to expansion, whether it's in baseball or in considering another basketball team if they ever put another team in Canada. Um, or or anything like that. So the fact that that is even being talked about as a potential for the Diamondbacks to be played there is exciting. And I mean, hey, it's logical. The Diamondbacks are on the West Coast. They're in the NL West. And it's a very easy flight up for the San Diego Padres, the Dodgers, the Rockies. I mean, it's, it's honestly the perfect market for the Diamondbacks to explore. So I'm not surprised that that's become an option. It's a pretty seamless transition when you think about it, When uh, if the Diamondbacks do have to consider it and ultimately do that it would be awesome if there was baseball in vancouver even if it was temporary yeah or worst case scenario this becomes a montreal x-rays type situation <laughs> where they're 50 hey, 50 hey. in vancouver and then putting somewhere else or the other half of the games because of that scheduling nightmare you were talking about but i that market like you were saying i was shocked that the grizzlies didn't pick up as much as they did but i think that's a basketball thing in general it's it's right for certain markets and it's wrong for some others yes I think baseball, <laughs> I we know, that. works from what we see in the mass migration to Seattle every year <laughs> and what we've been oh, seeing yeah. with the minor league Vancouver Canadians and how that little ballpark is the talk of town when it comes to that time of the season. It's, uh, it's it, it, The fact that it's talked about and the fact that you have all this Montreal x-rays and whatever you want to call it talk that are consistently not going away. I think baseball is turning upwards in Canada. And it is definitely because of the Blue Jays' resurgence in 2015 and 2016 that plays part of that. The fact that the Expos used to have a team. Uh, and yeah, I think it's, uh, I've said it already, well overdue that Vancouver is considered. And you'll have that natural rivalry with Seattle and some other teams in your division where it's very easy for visiting teams to go travel to Vancouver uh, however many times per year. I think it'd be, it would be fantastic, Craig. It really would. Yeah. I'm just surprised that they don't want to just add on to the Nat and make it that much better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the ballpark for the, the, the Vancouver Canadians, for the not as enlightened you, uh, minor league guru level as I am. <laughs> That's right. That's but, right. Blue Jays um, system, Vancouver Canadians. That is the only minor league Blue Jays affiliate I have not physically been to. Well, I think it's on your uh, it's on your list now, man. You have my uh, you have my recommendation. Vancouver is awesome. Vancouver probably it, well, it's the Toronto of the West Coast of Canada for sure. There's no doubt about that. So Good deal, man. Definitely make a trip up there. Craig, was there any other talking points that we have not gone over on tonight's episode that you would like to cover before we wrap things up? Do we do our tease now? <laughs> I, I think I, I think you're right. I, uh, I think we should do our little tease. You want to lead it off? So we might be adding and going barroom sports on this whole thing and having a little bit of a congregation every week for all our lovely Blue Jays fans. We're not going to allude you to who it might be, but you might have possibly had a guess from recent transpirings on our show <laughs> <laughs> of how things might be going here but 
We are playing with a format where we are probably going to be bringing in a third person into uh, the Russian roulette kind of thing that Brendan Panikar and myself have been doing every week. And I think it's only going to bring more interesting ta talks and banter here. And as we continue to grow our little Jaybird watching empire here, who knows where this will go. Maybe this is just us having a three-person panel, or maybe we'll have a couple episodes a week. We haven't gotten that far yet, but we have a third man right now dangling in the mints. <laughs> the, con the, the contract is just waiting for the pen type of paper. That is what we'll say. Yeah. <laughs> it's we're, not officially been signed. We're working on that last can of beer or bag of balls or whatever it needs to be to give him that last little <laughs> to come and join yeah. the team. So. Yeah, he's the last little push. Put, put the pen to the paper who, uh, who we're referring to right now. And I think, yeah, you're right. People are probably able to guess who that would be. So we'll leave, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> True fans of the show. That's right. Bill Mel. Well, Craig, it's been fun. I am glad to be back on the air, airways with you. It is nice to be back in Toronto and North America as a whole. And with that, I am going to say, let's go Blue Jays. Let's go Blue Jays. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.